Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. It's Hallie, as always. I'm going to keep the intro sweet and short. Um, the interview is quite a long one, so let's get on into it. Today we are joined by my friend Brianna. She has been one of my longest friends, um, and we talk about her marriage and what inevitably led to her filing for divorce and then the healing that she went through after and finding herself and all that good stuff. Um, and then we talk a little bit about her current Thanks for joining me, Brianna. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you here. Um, so we're going to talk about marriage is ending and mm. divorce and what comes after. Mm. <laughs> so much to talk about. <laughs> we don't have time. No, never. Never the time. Mm-mm. All right. So obviously I know your entire... Um, Life history. Right. The whole The thing. whole thing from conception to, to current. I don't think conception is the right... It's <laughs> birth? Yeah. I mean, basically. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so you... Oh my gosh, was that 2013 that you got married? 2014. 2014. I got married. Okay. And then 2019... You officially filed for divorce. November 7th, 2019. That was when it was signed, right? Like finalized. That was when it was finalized, yep. But I separated June, the last day of June, which I can't remember if there's 30 days or 30, what doesn't matter. But I left my ex-husband the last day of June and moved out, actually, Independence Day, ironically enough. Yeah, I feel like you texted me at the end of June. Mm -hmm. And you... Were scared to tell me. Yeah. Um, but I remember I was at my parents' house. Yeah, I remember actually where you, I was when you called me. Yes. I was sitting in the car. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. Yeah. You were like, I have to tell you something, and I don't know how you're going to respond. Yeah. And I was like, I was more scared to tell you than anybody. I literally was like, just tell me. Just tell <laughs> I me. Honestly I honestly didn't know, know how... you were. I didn't know what you were going to tell me. I was like, it did d- you think maybe I was pregnant? No, because I didn't think that you would do that, that Mm -hmm. close together with Landon. Right. I'll bleep his name there. Yeah. Um, No, I didn't think that you would do that. I also, I mean, I know originally your ex-husband did not want more children. No, not at all. So even having one was a little bit of a... Mm -hmm. Was a bit of a thing, so I didn't think that that would happen again. No, I honestly thought that you were going to call me and tell me that you were, like, sick mm. or that something was wrong with your ex-husband or there was something wrong with yeah. little man. Yeah. Um, I, like, the way that you, I was not prepared <laughs> for that. Hey, hey, I'm getting, I'm filing for divorce. <laughs> I'm separated from my ex-husband. 30 years old. <laughs> I, that does, I, that, you know, I think... That doesn't matter. Whatever. Right. Um, yeah, I just wasn't... Well, I think I'd seen you... Like, we had talked pretty recent to that, and I just wasn't aware that you were there yet. Yeah. And I, well, because I kept everything hidden. Well, I mean, and it was... Everything. For That's a good why, reason. Yes. Like, it was... It came as a complete shock, <clears throat> excuse me, to everybody that I told because I kept all of the abuse and everything... A secret because I thought it was so normal yeah for a husband to talk to a wife the way that mine talked to me so that's I mean and I was embarrassing so that's why I kept everything hidden behind closed doors and I thought it was normal because it was the first long-term relationship that I had been in yeah so I was like well everybody has the two to three hour long arguments where everything is your fault yeah like I just thought that that was normal so it came to a it came shock to everybody and that's why everybody thought we'll just keep working at it I had been working at it yeah eight years yeah and nothing was changing so I finally I I had had enough and I was like I need better for first and foremost myself because you have to take care of yourself first before you take care of anybody else yep I need better for myself, and then I need better for my son. Yeah. So that was, like, the final straw. So for the people that are listening, because I obviously know what your marriage was like, what mm. was what was your marriage like? Mm. Like, kind of day-to-day, or... 
I mean, obviously not everything. See, here I am. I'm sitting here still trying to protect him. Okay. So... That's eight years of manipulation. Right. Still being... Right. So, day to day, it was walking on eggshells. It was not knowing if I was going to say something that was going to upset him. It was gaslighting. It was me not wanting to say something that could turn into an argument because there was no discussion. Mm -hmm. It was, he was right. I was wrong. I remember distinctly telling him I'm always wrong. I'm always wrong. It's, it's impossible for me to always be wrong. And then the arguments were minimum two to three hours long minimum. And it always ended up with me just forgetting what my point was and Mm -hmm. me just giving up me just saying, you know what? You're right. I'm sorry. I should me changing myself. Yeah. To be with him because I was afraid. Yeah. Of, of um, bringing up anything because I was afraid that it would cause repercussions. And then, also like, I never sent him to the couch whenever we got in arguments because mm-hmm. I don't. That's just me. I don't believe in that. Yeah. Um, he would send he. We would go to bed, and this happened well over a hundred times in mm-hmm. eight years, and he would get up, sit at the edge of the bed let out a big sigh and then he would just stand up and I'd be like what are you doing he's like I can't even stand to sleep in the same bed as you and I said why you should know what you did I shouldn't have to tell you what you did so manipulative and I was just like so that would leave me up at night yeah and then he would go take himself to the other room go take himself to the couch and it was just a daily thing of like what is the next thing that I'm going to do that's going to make him upset? Yeah. And it still is with me to this day because my now boyfriend, I am still conditioned to think that everything I bring up is going to cause an issue. Yeah. Where it's going to start some kind of like three hour argument, debate, whatever. Whereas like I brought up something to him the other day and it was a five minute conversation. Yeah. A conversation is the key mm-hmm. word. Conversation, not conflict or argument. It was, hey, when you did this, it made me feel this way. Well, why? I'm so sorry. I didn't mean for it to feel that way. Why did it make you feel that way? Yeah, validating those feelings. And then it and was then creating a solution. Right. And then it was, okay, so I'll keep in mind to not do that again, but just keep in mind that I'm not going to change who I am. And you should never change who you are. Yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, it was just a daily, daily struggle of just walking on eggshells and never feeling like I was doing enough. Yeah. Every single day. Did this start in your dating relationship? Yes. Did it start before you guys were living together? I, I'm trying to think back to that. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I do remember like changing my viewpoints on things just to appease him. Yeah. Like I, this is just me personally. I don't agree with Hooters, the kill strip clubs, nothing like that. I just personally don't agree with that stuff. And I remember him trying to break up with me over that, which like, if you think that that's fine and you can't be with somebody who doesn't think that that's fine. Cool. Yeah. You stick by that. But I was just like, I don't agree with that. And he was like, well, that's you, that's you being insecure. That's you not having confidence in yourself and blah, 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 blah. And then he's just like, I don't think I can be with somebody that's controlling. Putting the blame on me. Yeah, I think, I mean, I when think it every relationship has boundaries. Right, it wasn't me being controlling. It was me just saying, I don't like those places. Yeah. I don't. And he, I literally remember packing up my stuff. Because I was like, okay, well, he says he, does, he can't be with somebody who's controlling. So I'm just going to pack up my stuff. And me believing that I was the one that was being controlling. Yeah. So the manipulation started off at five months. Okay. So we've been together for five months. And then I remember telling him, I was like, you know what? Is it really that big of a deal? You know, or I remember telling myself, is it really that big of a deal? Which, yeah, it is. I don't agree with those places. And I yeah. told my now boyfriend, that's a deal breaker for me. Yeah. And if you still want to go to those places, I can't be with you. Yeah, I think it's... And he was just like, and, you know, my boyfriend, he's like, I don't see a problem with, like, Hooters. He's like, strip clubs, yeah, I get it. I get yeah. it. He's like, but he's like, I don't, but you know what? 
that's a boundary for you. Yeah. I'm not going to cross that boundary because I don't want to lose you. Yeah. So I'm not changing who I am, but I don't need to go to those places. Yeah. So it's a respect of what I'm comfortable with, mm-hmm. you know? So then I remember packing up my stuff and then looking at him and be like, you know what? I don't really think it's that big of a deal. If you want to go, I mean, we can go tonight for dinner. I remember saying that. We can go there now if you want, just to keep him around. Um, where do you think that feeling came from? I think it comes from as a child trying to get, trying to seek affirmation and acceptance from others in my life. Sure. And yeah. Feeling like I need their acceptance um, to be whole. Worthy? Yes, worthy. Yeah, I think is is the word I'm looking for. Which now looking back, I mean, I was 22 when I got with him. So I was very young. I think that's actually a very common thread for kids that have the kind of childhood that we did. Mm -hmm. Um, Because of the way that we were raised and that we needed to meet certain standards to be considered... Mm-hmm. This type of person that is... You have the checklist of what makes you worthy. Yeah, and that... Um, and also being taught to be submissive as a wife. Yeah, I think it... Well, and not understanding what true submission actually what looks like. What true biblical su- submissive yeah. is. It's yeah. not literally just being like, yes, sir, yes, sir. That's not at all what God intended. Because, no. I mean, look, there's Ruth's, there's Esther's, who stood up, Esther stood up against the king. Yeah. You know, so obviously God didn't intend for us to be submissive in that aspect. No, and I think what we were taught as children just is not, was not beneficial and is not beneficial to this day. And I'm grateful that a lot of places are changing that Mm -hmm. rhetoric. However, it's still not what it needs to be because, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think in the conversation of submission as a wife... It brings up what a husband mm-hmm. should be. Mm-hmm. It's not actually about who a wife should be. Right. It's actually a calling to who the man in that kind of relationship, if that's the kind of relationship you're trying to have, mm-hmm. should behave. Yeah. Because as a... If I trust and believe that my husband is acting in accordance to a... a um. To a book that we have chosen to base our lives around. Right. Um, and that he's truly following what God wants. Then I can look at him and go, you know what? I know that you're trying to lead us in the best way possible. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that I'm going to bow down to your every right. move right. or your every desire or your every decision. It's that you and I are going to have this discussion. Mm-hmm. We are one because mm-hmm. that, I mean, biblically, yes. once you're married, you are one person. That's why the woman changes her last name. And <clears throat> so in that way, I can look at him and go, we've discussed this. Mm-hmm. I've given you my point of view on it. Mm-hmm. I trust that you are going to take that yeah. and consider it. Mm-hmm. As equal as your opinion. Yep. I mean, because, like, that's what happens with my boyfriend now. Is and make a decision. We, we have conversations and discussions, and we don't agree on everything. Because if you are agreeing on everything as a couple, yeah. somebody is changing who they are. Yeah. To be with them, to just have a partner. And that's never what I want. I want my boyfriend to challenge me, and I want to challenge him. Yeah. There's things that I have more of a belief in than he does. Yeah. And vice versa. Like, there's some things that I'm just like, you know, I don't really care about that. Yeah. But there's other things that I'm just, like, I will not change my mind on that. And same with him. Like, he had me write a list of things that I will not change. And, that no, that, that I will not stand for in a relationship. Like, belittling Separating, I, separating me from my family, like all these, and all of them were literally things that he, <laughs> things that my ex husband yeah. did. Yeah, like all of it. I think for me, when you were with him, the challenge that I feel like I faced the most with this person was the fact that I wanted to remain as close to you as possible. Mm-hmm. 
Because um, you were the first person that met him. Yeah, so that you... I knew he wasn't good. Yeah. But you wanted me to be happy. Well, I wanted you to be happy. And I think I also knew that, like, my opinion, Mm -hmm. it mattered, but it was not going to stop you from doing what you wanted to do. Right. And I'm not going to look at you and be like, you're a grown woman. Right. Like, you get to make those decisions. And I wanted to stay as close to you as humanly possible. Mm -hmm. So that when I felt like it would inevitably end, that you would have a safe place to come and land. Yeah. And I knew that that wasn't necessarily going to be the place that it should have essentially Mm -hmm. been. But Mm -hmm. I wanted to provide you with the the softest spot you could have. And what's funny is that when... Because you were the first person that met my ex-husband and then... You, ironically, besides my family, obviously, because I was living with them, were the first person that I told that I was getting a divorce. Yeah. So I just, I just realized that, that that's how it happened. Yeah. That you were the first person to meet him and you were the first of my friends to know. Yeah. Like, because it's not a, it's not something, I mean, like, I'm, I'm proud of me leaving because a lot of women don't leave when they have children. They Mm -hmm. think that they should stay for the kids, which you should never stay for the kids. And we can talk about that later. Um, But you, I'm proud of that I left. I'm not proud that I have a divorce under my belt. Like at 32 years old. I can understand why you would feel that way. Yeah. I don't think it's ever anybody's plan or goal to walk into a marriage and, you know. Have an out. Well, have that mindset well, that they're going to get divorced. Yeah, or to even think like I have, I'm going to have to walk away from this mm-hmm. at some point. Um, I don't, I don't think we would spend money. <laughs> no, no, you know I, I don't mean? think I would have spent eight thousand dollars on a wedding. Yeah, and I don't think you would have had a child. Uh-uh. Going, uh, I think <laughs> in no, three but years. he was, he was my reason for walking away. So I mean, can you imagine if I hadn't have had him, I would still probably be married. I mean, yeah, I... Because he was, like, part of the reason why I got the courage to leave. Yeah. You know, because I remember that time when he, when we were arguing, and he came up, and we were, of course, arguing in front of him, mm-hmm. and this isn't, like, your typical, like, no, I don't really understand why you... It's arguing. Like, yelling. Yes. And a well, fight. it was a one-sided yelling. Let's be clear one-sided yelling and he my son went up and turned off the light switch and my ex-husband was like what is he doing and I just said um in his class they turn off the lights whenever it's too loud Ooh. so that was my final like I'm done yeah. I cannot have my son grow up and think that this is normal. I would rather stay single the rest of my life and have my son see me as a strong, independent woman and have him see that versus him growing up thinking that this is how you treat a woman. Yeah, and that that's how a husband behaves mm-hmm. or a father for right. that matter. Right, exactly. So that was like kind of the final, yeah. final straw for what led me to pack my shit up. What essentially kind of helped you to see that the relationship was more toxic that your marriage wasn't just like two people that were incompatible yeah but it was more like this man is actually abusive um there was a night when him and I got into something it was oh gosh it's like a now if it was me and my spouse now it would just be like a two minute like I'm your spouse now my spouse now <laughs> he is my spouse like we're together <laughs> like okay we're together whatever he literally called me his wife the other day so stop we're it i cannot okay i know he's so cute i can't anyways anyways so my my boyfriend okay fine no you can now um i just thought it was funny he which that slips up every now and then um he it would just be like a two minute like hey i'm so sorry i didn't mean for that to yeah. make you feel that way but it was a moment where I went into my ex-husband's place of work, and he owned his own business at the time, so he could literally call the shots. Sure. And he was doing something, and he literally had just met these people, like, a week ago, and he didn't even stop 
to like acknowledge me nothing Mm -hmm. and I was made to feel like a second class citizen and so I was feeling very insecure and he didn't even like I had to go like beg for his attention and then and I and I was dropping off something like running an errand for him Mm -hmm. and so then that night he asked me like what was wrong I said well I just kind of feel like you dismissed me today at work and he was like oh my god are you kidding me da 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 so we got into a two to three hour long argument over that Mm -hmm. and then Later that night, he took himself out of the bedroom, and he went downstairs, and instead of talking to me, he was texting me, mm. sending me these long text messages about how he just needs to end it himself. Right. Not end it himself, but end himself, and how he basically is only sticking around because of his his children, and um, like, the, just that in and of itself is manipulation. Yeah. And then him just saying, like... like verbally abusive things to me about how I'm the reason for this and it's my fault and this and that. And then I just remember almost having like an out-of-body experience where I was just like looking down at me reading these text messages thinking, if this were somebody else's phone and I was reading these text messages off of somebody else's phone, I would tell them to run. Yeah, like get out now. Because this is not going to get any better. So it hit me that night that I was just like, I need to pack my shit up and I need to leave. Yeah. And it didn't happen for another few days, but that's essentially where it led up to. Yeah. And it was just like, oh, I gotta sneeze. <laughs> Bless you. And it was just like this moment of like, oh my God, this is what it's been like this whole almost decade. Yeah. Of just constant, it's your fault, it's your fault, it's your fault, it's your fault. Well, and I mean, he had done a very, a very, he had had a very successful time at separating you from yes. the people that you... My support system. Yeah, like, you're, exactly. So, like, he drove a very nice wedge between you and your parents. Oh, a thousand percent. He drove a really nice wedge between the people that you were... One of my other, besides you, my other yeah. best friend of 30 plus years, I didn't speak to, she didn't even come to my wedding. Yeah, I know. Because he made me believe that she was out to get us. And she was out to purposefully did not want me to be with him because she didn't want me to be happy. And when all she was doing was looking out for me. Yeah. And she's got her, you know who I'm talking about. She's got her way of being very direct, very blunt. She means it all with love. I think she definitely has matured a lot. Oh, yeah. I mean, this was. From 10 years ago. Yeah. But she has her way of saying things and that's who she is. And. I mean, this was my best friend since I was three, and she didn't even get an invite to my wedding because I was convinced from him that yeah. she did was purposefully doing things. And I remember every time we, it was just like, I would not want to go over to my parents because I remember every time we left, there would be something negative being said about my parents. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, no, I can talk crap about my parents. <laughs> not you. Not you. So... I mean, just the separate, the, it's very narcissist one-on-one. Oh, I mean, Separate yeah. you from your family, separate you from people that care about you so that you are emotionally reliant on that person. I legitimately, so I made the decision during that whole time with the other friend, because you were sharing all that with me when it was happening, mm-hmm. that I was like, cool. So I have to make the conscious decision of not mm-hmm. demeaning this man Mm-hmm. In front of him. Right. Because I cannot have him doing mm-hmm. what he's doing with her mm-hmm. to us. Because I was like, she, it's just. And I always felt guilty for going and doing things. Well, yeah. And I mean. Always. Like when we went to the beach that yeah. time in March. Oh, my God. And he just texted you The entire constantly? time. The entire time. And he, he literally said to me, like, months later, he said, I was fully prepared that if I even saw a picture or anything with a man in the background, I was going to break up with you. Dang. Well, luckily we didn't do that, so. No, we did nothing. No, we literally did nothing of the sorts. No, it was didn't. so freaking cold. It was so cold. It was so cold. And nothing was, yeah, nothing was open. Um, But, I mean, I did. I was, like, somehow you were going to have to get this man... To like you. Mm-hmm. So that he... Doesn't isolate. 
Well, and even you. still... Or turn me against you. Yeah, and even still, he isolated you from me. Yeah, I, I don't think I saw you for, like, two years. I mean, I saw you, like, every once a month. <laughs> it would be, like... But it's not like we do now, where yeah. I see you, you know, like, once a month or so, mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever. But it, it definitely was. It was, like, I think I met Landon at a year old. That's right. It was something ridiculous yeah. like that. And Maggie, I think, has met... Maggie's met him twice, I think. Yeah. Which she didn't meet him until I was divorced. Like, I hadn't seen... That's okay. Um, I hadn't seen my other best friend in eight years. Eight years, yeah. And then she didn't even meet my son until he was three. So, I mean, we have some, like, textbook behavior for people to look for. Yep. In, um... If it's always your fault, the gaslighting... The the gaslighting is, like, whenever they continue on a conversation and they kind of keep it in, like, a rotation... So that you're like, wait a minute, what was my point? Well, it's literally causing you to question your own your reality. Your own reality. Yes. It's literally like, I mean. Did I actually say that? Yeah. Did I, why am I so upset about, and then they. Well, and they'll even do that with you. They'll be like, that's not what I said. Yes. And it's like, he I literally, heard you. he literally said, no, 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 you're twisting my words. What I said was this. See, yeah. the great, he loved this phrase. The great thing, which is very, very demeaning. And very, you're stupid, yeah. was the great thing about the English language is, Ugh. that's what he would say every time he thought I was missaying something that he said. So, gaslighting. And then... Coming from somebody who's the only one in the relationship that had a college degree. But I digress. <laughs> but I digress. Okay. So, anyways, and then adding in the isolation factor, it's uh-huh. literally just trying to, they need them, they need you to themselves. And because they you know, would not be anything without me. You are yeah. only, you are only in the position you're in because of me. You will never yeah. make it without me. Yeah. <sighs> Man. Um, okay, so you file, or you decide that you're going to file for divorce. The big divorce. You left. Mm-hmm. You said... On Independence Day. Well, and you... <laughs> so tough. It's the coping mechanisms for me. You have to... It's fine. Some people... <laughs> comedy. Um, so you left and you went home. I literally... I packed up my stuff the night before. Um, I... Because he was staying at somebody else's house. So I packed up my stuff July 3rd. And he was staying at somebody else's house. And then... I remember getting all my stuff together and literally I don't remember what I felt, but what I know I did not feel was I'm not doing the right thing. Okay. Like that's all I remember was I didn't feel anything, but I have to do, I have to do this. I was literally in survival mode. Yeah. Like emotional and mental survival mode. And then my son was sleeping. I packed up some stuff, enough for him for me to go. Luckily, my parents lived 10 minutes away. Yeah. Um, they had a, two spare bedrooms. And then I remember him coming into the house at almost, ironically, 3 a.m., which is, like, what a lot of people believe to be, like, a spiritual hour. Yeah. For thing, like, for when spiritual things happen. Yep. Um, good or bad. Yep. And then he, I remember, and I never used to wake up in the middle of the night other than for my kid. Ever. Yeah. I remember hearing God tell me, wake up. Yeah. And then me opening up my eyes at 3 a.m. and seeing the shadow over top of me. Yeah. And then me screaming bloody murder. And then him, it was my ex-husband, him turning on the lights and saying, it's me, it's me, it's me. And I just said, what are you doing? And he said, figuring out why my wife is leaving me. He grabbed my phone, ran downstairs, and ran out to his car, which luckily his oldest son was home. And his oldest son, I ran downstairs, and he was like, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing, Brianna? Or Bree, is what they called me, Bree. And um, I just said, your dad came in, grabbed my phone, because it couldn't possibly be him. It had to have been something else. Yeah. Okay. It couldn't possibly have been him. It couldn't possibly have been his fault. Yeah. So he was outside, and then I luckily was able to find my oldest stepson's phone, called 911, and then the cops came, um, and they just said, they asked me like three or four times, like, did he physically touch you? Yeah. Which 
they can't do anything if he doesn't physically touch you because it's not physical abuse. And in the state of Georgia, unless there's physical abuse, they can't do anything. Yeah. And because he was on the lease, mm-hmm. he was not breaking and entering. Yeah. Um, it just became like a domestic situation at that point. A, a, they call it a civil matter. A civil matter. So yeah. they said because nothing, no law was broken, it was a civil matter. And then they said, well, I would highly suggest you take your son and go somewhere. If you can't go somewhere, go down to the station. Yeah. So I grabbed my son and grabbed our clothes. I literally just grabbed him and the clothing. Yeah. I didn't grab anything else. And I, because I didn't care about anything else. Yeah. And then I, I got my phone back. Yeah. And then I went over to my parents' house. And um, then after that, I started the process of legally filing for divorce. Which took July, August, October through four months. So, how did that process make you feel? Um, I was still afraid of him, yeah, because I was still afraid of the emotional manipulation. Um, I even did things to still like protect him. Yeah, I remember us talking about those. Like, things. I still would just like protect him when people would talk about him and I was like, no, well, you know, he, no, no, there is no this there. He literally was emotionally, verbally and mentally abusive. Yeah. Like I didn't need to be in that survival mode anymore, but I still was. I mean, I think that take, I mean, we'll talk about some more of that later, but I think that part, it's almost like you've been conditioned. Yes. And you, have operated in this way of thinking for so long to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I mean that in a physical and an emotional type of way mm-hmm. that your ex-husband, you know, could have done. It could, I don't think there's a, there's not exactly like a clear line of where it goes from just, just, and I'm putting that in quotes, yeah. emotional abuse into actual physical yeah. abuse. Like, what? Mm-hmm. where is the line? What, yeah. what, what is the possibility that I, I can say this and it, and would it ignite, triggers? Yes, because that. he would hit countertops. Yeah. Like he would hit walls. He never put a hole in a wall, but that's not, it doesn't even matter. No. Like, at what, like, I remember telling a pastor, at what point are those countertops and those walls and those pillows when are they going to be me? Yeah. When it's every time that that anger is released in that way, it's traumatic. Yes. For anybody that's there. Yes. And especially when it's, when that anger is directed at you. Yes. But it's not being taken like, okay, out that's, on you. That's the thing. Like my boyfriend, he gets mad. I mean, it's like 99% work stuff. Yeah. And it's objects. He gets yeah. so... He gets so mad at objects. Yeah. And I'll just, like, sit and he's like, I swear. And then, like, within seconds, it's over. Yeah. You know? But I'm not... That doesn't scare me or, like, trigger anything with me because I'm like, it's him getting mad at objects. Like, he's mad at an object for not doing something that it should be doing. Yeah. And that doesn't trigger anything with me because the anger's literally not directed at me. Yeah. And then it's actually kind of comical. Oh, yeah. To see him, to like mainly like hear him from like afar, and he's like, "Dad, bird, damn it, oh, hey, baby, wanna go get some tacos?" <laughs> Just like, oh, so that's so, okay. So you meet a man that's a little bit more in touch with his emotions and can process through them. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, the audacity! Oh, my God. <laughs> um. So, you filed for divorce. Mm-hmm. You said that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, you took your son, you left, you were still feeling all of the effects from the trauma that you had experienced in the eight years that you were together with him. Mm-hmm. And what kind of made you, let me actually not say that that way, um, Mm-hmm. Lost my train of thought. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, 
All right, so you went through all this trauma. <laughs> a lot just, of trauma. I'm just trying to pull my train back to my train pull, back to the station. Train back to the station. Um. Okay, so you're dealing with let's call it PTSD. Yes. Because it's a stressful situation. Mm-hmm. I don't know what... I know you went to counseling. I don't know mm-hmm. if they diagnosed you with anything or if they just said we need to talk out all this stuff or whatever. And we can talk about that in a second. Yeah. But... So you're essentially recovering from this PTSD from your marriage. And... What did that bring out in you? What do you mean? Like... So you're defending him. But at some point you had to have gotten... Angry, I'm guessing. At, like, allowing myself to be... Just at the situation in general. Um, Or do you think you went through more of a mourning phase? I mean, I think the moment that it hit me that... I don't... Because I I got a job six weeks after my separation, like a full-time job. Yeah. And then, like, I was making it. I had bought a car cash. I I mean, I was living with my parents granted, but I was saving up a whole bunch of money and I bought a car cash. I got my own apartment. And then I just remember thinking like, I got really upset one day whenever it just like hit me when I got my first paycheck after I'd gotten my first, yeah, my first paycheck. And then like a couple months later I got my new car and I just remember like crying because I was just like, I was literally, and I got pissed because I was like, I was told I couldn't do this. I was told and conditioned that I would never be able to make it without him. And here I am after eight years doing it, I allowed myself to be convinced and conditioned that I couldn't do anything without him. Yeah. And now here I am, my own job. And having my own car in my name. And I left and walked away from a situation where I had zero money. I had no car of my own. Nothing, literally nothing to my name besides like a bill or three bills or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I got mad at myself. But then it's also learning how to forgive yourself for allowing yourself to be treated that way. Yeah. I was about to say, I think there's absolutely some responsibility that you have to take in it but you also have to be able to look at yourself and go but I also dealt with this for Mm -hmm. eight years yes and it's un it's almost like uncoiling yeah something yeah like you know those like the the hoses that like they're all mangled together Mm -hmm. and they're all they got all these knots in them and they've been that way for years so it's like each knot that you take out, yeah, mm-hmm. it's going to take some time because it's been that way for so long. Yeah. But then once you undo all of it, just it's just whoosh, like everything just works how it's supposed to work. Yeah. You know, and that's literally how it felt once I was able to like get my own apartment and I had my own car. And now here I am buying my second car on my own without... Yeah you know, help from a spouse, you know, and, and I told my boyfriend now, I said, I want to be so financially independent that it, I mean, before him, I told you, I told my parents, I want to be so financially independent. It doesn't matter if I need a man or not. Yeah. You know, so, but like once I was able to uncoil all of that, those years of being told I can't do it. Yeah. The amount of freedom that I felt emotionally was just insane. Yeah. Absolutely insane. So how did you begin to even uncoil? Oh, I went to therapy. So you felt like that was a completely, totally necessary... Oh, a thousand percent. Okay. thousand percent. I went to therapy. I did, I did go through... No, I don't talk to my therapist now as nearly as much as I used to. I went to yeah. one therapist and I... Y- They work for you, first of all. Don't go to a therapist just because they worked for your friend. Yeah. Because everybody deals with trauma differently. Yeah. And every therapist, if they... I wanted a therapist that challenged me. Yeah. I don't want... and But then there are times... Like, some people have multiple therapists. Sometimes they want a therapist that just sits there and coddles them and listens. Other times they want a therapist that, like, kicks them in the butt and is, like, hard on them. Yeah. The, The therapist that I had in the beginning was great for me because she was able to just listen and that's Mm -hmm. all I needed because I didn't have that for eight years where I didn't have any kickback yeah or like any pushback of my emotions 
And then back, and then I didn't go and see a therapist for probably like eight months, which I could tell a difference. Mm -hmm. And then last November was when I started seeing a therapist again. And we talked every single day. Mm -hmm. And because I became really comfortable with how I was dealing with things again, which was like just bottling it all up. Yeah. And then he was like, no, you need to push yourself out of your comfort zone. You're getting back in that comfort zone again, and you're not going to be happy in it. Yeah. So then he pushed me and pushed and pushed, and he was relentless. And now we only talk like maybe once a month. Yeah. But it's good to check in every so often with them and just, you know, knowing that just because you go to therapy doesn't mean that you failed. No, it doesn't mean that you can't do it on your own. It means that you are yeah. strong enough to admit that you do need help. Yeah. I think I appreciate so much what you said about you have to find a therapist that works for you. For you. Because I, I mean, I've been, <laughs> I've been in therapy for most of my life. Right. Um, just trying to figure out a lot of childhood trauma that happened Mm -hmm. and um you know I saw one for a little while and that was um not good Mm -hmm. and then I saw one another one and she worked for a little while and then I got to a place where I just didn't want to yeah I didn't want to and it's good and it's fine like if they work for you and they're great for a little while but we evolve as humans yeah well and I just to be honest, like, I wasn't in a place where I was ready to mm-hmm. really do the work and heal. So, several years later, I went back to see her, and she finally gave was able to give me, like, a proper diagnosis, mm-hmm. which was great. Yeah. And then I, and that was, like, doctor, psychiatrist, mm-hmm. like, prescribed meds yes. type of things. And I saw her for a little while longer, and she basically was like, I can continue prescribing you med- medicine, but, like, I'm not the type of therapist that you need to see. Right. And that's good on her part. And she was like, this, recognizing she that. was like, this isn't what I do. This is what you yeah. need to do. And so I was like, okay, whatever, fine. Uh, I'm not mad about it. We're obviously not holding well, back anything. I also, well, I was on medication that I didn't, right. didn't necessarily need to be on. Um, which I came off of with her, which mm-hmm. was very helpful. Yeah. Um, but when I finally saw the therapist that I have been seeing, I literally, I remember I walked into his doors and he was like, this is work. Mm-hmm. He was like, you're going to work. Yeah. And I was like, oh. mm-hmm. but I had gotten to a place where I was like, it's either I do the work mm-hmm. or like, I'm not existing. <laughs> right. Exactly. You're just a blob like, of a human. Well, I'm talking about like, mm, not existing. Oh, okay. So that's where we were. Okay. <laughs> that's where I was right. when I walked through. Okay. That's, when I, that's where I was when I walked in his doors. Yeah. Um, and I worked with him. I worked hard weekly with him mm-hmm. for like six months mm-hmm. where I, he sent me home with books, homework, mm-hmm. challenges. My dad came in and sat in therapy I remember with me you for like telling six me weeks. You're just oh. like, oh, my dad is going to be, I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway. I could never. <laughs> this isn't about childhood trauma. Um, I would never. I just want my therapist to see my mother as like a figure of the, his imagination. Yeah. Because if he meets her, he's going to be like, oh, I get it. Okay. Well, luckily, my counselor had seen my dad. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I remember you telling that. Through counseling. Mm-hmm. So, like, they, he, he had an understanding of who my dad was, who I was. Yeah. And then the. Collectively. The niche-ness of mm. his and my relationship. Anyways, we're not talking about that. But it does. It takes so much to yeah. find the right therapist or and the it's right, okay if you go through several and it's fine it really is because I mean I know several people that have gone through a lot and it's taken uh-huh. a lot for them to find someone who works for them and different therapists specialize in different things yeah exactly so um there are people that specialize in family mm-hmm. things um and so I think just being able to go out there and Honestly, do the work of finding a therapist Mm -hmm. and then doing the work of healing, Mm -hmm. which it is. It's work. Yeah. It's not, it's not fun. No, God, because you have to expose all these wounds again to be able to heal. Yeah, you're literally reopening everything. Like whenever you need a a wound to heal, you literally have to give it air. Yeah. You have to expose it. 
so that it can heal properly. Because well, if I you think... keep it covered all that time, it's not going to do anything. There's going to cause infection. There's going to cause all these gross things that don't need to happen. Yeah. So you literally just have to think of it as like a literal wound that you have to take the bandage off, the comfort off. Yeah. And expose it so that it heals. The protection of The it. protection. The protection of your wound. The protection of your wound. I mean, I also think about it in terms of like broken bones healing mm-hmm. incorrectly. Yeah. Because like eventually you're you are gonna heal, and I'm putting that in quotes, and it's more of a. Um, You're always gonna see the the, like my son broke his his collarbone. Yeah. Like two years ago, and if you get a scan, you can mm-hmm. see the break. Yeah. You can see the callus or the the new bone that was formed over top of it. Yeah. So you're always going to see the break. Yeah. But it's healed. But you're well, always going to know it's there. And even sometimes, like, I mean, doctors have to go in to re-break bones. Mm-hmm. So that they to make heal properly. Heal properly. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking, like, anything that... Any kind of emotional wound is going to heal mm-hmm. so that you can continue living. Yes. Like, it's not healing properly. Mm-hmm. It's literally just... Yeah. To get you to the next place. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to go back in and just... And I mean, most of the time they don't do it in a nice, like, no, in a Sometimes nice, like, it's invasive. I was about to say, they don't do it in a nice, like, Mm-mm. here, let's take it slow. It's right. like, like my therapist they rip now, it. he, I remember one time he was just like, he's like, you know, tell me so, so, th- this or that. And I'm like, I don't know. He's like, you do know. Tell me. Yeah. And I was just like, I don't, I don't know, you know, so-and-so. And he was like, tell me now. Just literally tell me now. Because and I like I needed that push because I was so afraid of like I've got no problem talking to women about like my you know what I want or need or blah 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 but men yeah I had the biggest reservation yeah you know I mean and now it's like you know I do like think through things and see like okay is it worth bringing up is it not let me think on it the best way to bring it up but I needed that push from my therapist for him to be like, no, you just need to say what you're feeling. You yeah. cannot hold against somebody something that they did if you don't tell them that it bothered yeah. you. They're not. How could they know? Yeah. They can't know. I think it's so interesting because, like, the way we were raised, we were not taught how to set boundaries. No. Or I think we were no. taught how to set boundaries no, but we were not taught how to hold them i was never taught how to i don't feel boundaries. like i was taught how to have boundaries I either don't. i don't i was never i learned it at, <laughs> at 31 i learned it like last year yeah, yeah that's what i'm saying like 31 mm-hmm. um 32 something like that i don't know, oh God, even know how old i am anywhere um <laughs> I, yeah i i learned boundaries at 31 mm-hmm. whatever um, it's like having things that you stick by and you will not budge on. Well, like I have I, to do that with my mother. I mean, I have to do, that's normal. Right. To have boundaries in a family. Mm-hmm. Which, okay. Um, <laughs> that's a whole other segment. <laughs> no idea. Five, a five-parter. <laughs> it's fine. Um, but I think the way that we were raised, because everything was supposed to be about was supposed to be out in the open mm-hmm. and exposed. Mm-hmm. And I never learned how to say, no, yes. that doesn't work for me. Yes. I was, it's the guilt. I never fully learned how to just be vulnerable in that right. way. Because it is. Right. It's like, it's almost like. Having boundaries is telling people what you are comfortable with and what you are not comfortable with. And yeah. that is being vulnerable. And I was like... And we, being afraid of of rejection. But we were taught how this weird vulnerability. Yes. Which, like we said, different conversation. Yes. So I think relearning that in therapy was just like... I can't imagine being married mm. with, like, the way that I was. Yeah. So I can only imagine how... And now that's me thinking I'm in a good marriage. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. So I can only imagine how how you walked away from that, mm-hmm. not just a completely devastated mm-hmm. human being. Yeah. I mean, it just, it, it took a lot for me to actually go to therapy, I think, because I left 
and and realize that I part of it was that I didn't set my boundaries up because I didn't yeah. know how to have boundaries. Yeah. I had no clue. Yeah. And I fold even when I tried to have boundaries of like when I told my ex-husband of like I don't like Hooters and the kilt and whatever half naked girl restaurant that claims that's cuz they go there for the food whatever. I don't believe it. Whatever. Go just to wa- be, go go to Buffalo Wild just Wings. Be honest, you're there for the boobs. You're there for the tits, okay? <laughs> my god, let's just be honest about it. Um but like and I folded on that. Quick. Yeah. But it's Quick. Be- it's because we were never taught. How we were to- never taught how to have proper boundaries and how to stick by them and yeah. not feel guilty for it. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. I don't care if somebody judges me for not believing in those places. Well, I think it's start. It's interesting because I, we don't need to get into like our, our youth. Um, uh-uh. But I think for me, it comes down to things of like, well, you should be at this. Yes. Um, well, I'm sorry. I already made this commitment that I'm going to be at this other yes. thing. And then being like, well, this is more important. Yes. And it's like, but is it? Mm-hmm. I remember. That's not for me to decide. Right. That's not for you to decide. Right. Yep. And mm-hmm. then walking that into a marriage mm-hmm. or into a relationship and being like, well, that doesn't work for me. Well, that doesn't work for me. Right. Oh, well, it doesn't work for them. And that that's that's more important. Mm-hmm. I need to be, I need to be giving. Yes. Of myself. Right. And I, such like a, <laughs> I now think of it, I'm like, God, that's such like a martyr no. type thing to like mm-hmm. think and say. It's like, oh, well, I'll just, <laughs> I'll do it. I mean, I'll do it. I guess that's the right thing to do. Right. A lot of people go into marriages thinking that, okay, well, if I just in this way with this person, then they'll stick around. Yeah. No, ma'am. No, no, no. <clears throat> you yep. are who you are, and you don't budge from it. Yep. And, um, like, there are some things, like, yeah, like, you can budge on, you know? Sure. Like, you can compromise on it. Sure. But, like, for the most part, like, no, if you want somebody who does this, go find somebody who does that. Yeah. Because I ain't it. Yeah. And oh I think... God. I think that's... But that's part of also learning to love yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's part of saying, like... You have to be so whole, like, close to it. Yeah. Because your happiness is not determined from your spouse. Well, your happiness isn't determined by, determined by anything but by you. By anybody but you. Because if your spouse you. determines your happiness You're and gonna... creates your happiness, you will always be searching for their approval. Yeah. Always. And that's what it was. I was not happy within myself whenever I got with my ex-husband. So that's why I was always seeking his approval and I was always empty. Well, I think the thing that, as technically in America, I'm old for not being married. Mm-hmm. Um, Hag. It's fine. Right. I'll just buy a bunch of cats. That's it. Um, even though I'm allergic, it's fine. Right. Um, but I have made the decision that unless, like, I have, I, I like my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel content and completed in the things that I'm doing and I can take care of myself like I am a confident independent woman so unless you are bringing something to the table right that matches up with that Mm -hmm. I'm not super interested I cannot stand when people say I'm just gonna match their energy no 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 you keep and maintain your energy if they aren't up to your energy They, you don't, mm -mm. no, like you will find somebody who matches your energy. That's it. Like automatically without either of you having to change. Yeah. That's the key is don't change your energy. Don't match your energy with somebody else and lower your energy. You find somebody who is compatible. Yeah. And then that will work. Like right now, like my boyfriend texted me at like 1230 and I just haven't gotten back to him. Yeah, but you're not worried about it. I'm not, not worried, worried about, about it. it and he's not worried because we both have our separate lives and then we have our lives together. Well, and you guys have had proper conversations of I care about you. Mm-hmm. You need to be confident. In that. Right. Like it literally nobody else holds a candle to me yeah. with him and nobody else holds a candle to him for you. For me. Yeah. So like... Obviously, we're not going to do things that intentionally create 
you know, like, well, I'm, it doesn't matter what I do because, you know, we're respectful of each other. Yeah. Well, that's but, what like, I, I am my own person and he is his own person yeah. because I know that nobody holds a candle to me with him. Yeah. Nobody can get his attention like I do. Yeah. So I don't care. So like, it's just, it's a matter of being whole within yourself. And I, he knows that I'll get back to him when I get back to him. And yeah. I'm not going to be guilted of like, well, what were you doing? Yeah. People ask me out of just curiosity, like, well, what'd you do today? You know? But other than that, like, it's, it doesn't matter because we're whole within ourselves. Yeah. And that's about finding yourself after a bad relationship. Yeah is being good with yourself and knowing that you are so solid on your own. Yeah. But you, it's just weird. Like, you know you're good on your own, but when you're with somebody who is compatible with you, yeah, it just brings out you and your the good things about yourself even more. Yeah. You know? Yep. All right, back to uh, <laughs> your marriage. Mm. Um, when you... I guess I just want you to kind of express however you do, um, kind of what gave you hope during the darkest times of your marriage and then the darkest times post-separation, post-divorce. I think seeing how much people that that I had been alienated from just un... what is the word like without question they Mm -hmm. were just like it's fine we get that you were in a place like my parents instantly took me in without question and I know that not everybody instant grace right yes yeah yeah and I know that not everybody is fortunate enough to have that situation where they burnt the bridge so to the bone that they can't go back to their family or whatever so I was lucky and fortunate enough to have that but just the grace that everybody that I had alienated I had been alienated from showed me you know and honestly just knowing within myself that just like that that relief that I felt in myself was enough for like okay this there it's gonna suck for a little while but knowing that I'm no longer being controlled by him yeah is all the light that I need that I no longer am underneath his thumb. Yeah. And knowing that I can do whatever I want now and not, I can wake up and not fear, okay, well, what am I going to do today that's going to upset him? Yeah. You know, and I can go and watch YouTube videos of what I want to watch and not get berated. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I would literally get berated for watching YouTube channels. Yeah. Like, but just, I think like what pulled me through it was, you know, one, my, my kid, just knowing yeah. that I was doing the best for him yeah. and knowing that I was making this decision for him. Yeah. Um, so that he didn't have to grow up seeing his mother being treated this way. Yeah. Um, and, um, just knowing that I could with God and therapy and family, yeah, I could literally do whatever I wanted. Yeah. And knowing that I wasn't being controlled anymore. Yeah. You saw light. Mm-hmm. Where there wasn't none. Yeah. There was not a single one. Not a single ounce of light. God. All right. Well, I mean, based on this conversation, I think you're feeling pretty good now. Pretty solid. Pretty good. Right. I think we've got, uh, we've moved, we've moved past some things. Yes. Um, we're, we're dating a pretty good guy. Little farmer. Nice little, nice little man. He's not little by any means. He's not little. He's quite a large man. Thick. (laughs) Thick boy. He is. Anyways. I mean, we want you to be there. All right. So my last kind of like little point question Mm -hmm. is for you to... If you do have some, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure you do, is to just give some advice to people that may be... In the place you were before, you know, you decided to leave. Oh, God. One piece of advice that I've given to a lot of women is if you had a daughter and you saw her go through what you are going through and you're afraid to leave, would you tell your daughter to leave? Mm. Would you? Like, this one lady was just like, I'm afraid to leave, da-da-da-da. I'm like, okay, 
if you saw your daughter go through what you're going through, what would you tell her? Yeah. She said, well, I would tell her to, get, to leave and run. Okay, you do that. Because you yeah. are somebody's daughter. Yeah. So if you're not going to, if if they're not going to tell you that, you need to do it. Yeah. So, I mean, and to not, that, the reason why they keep you afraid is so that you won't leave. Yeah. That's, and the reason why they tell you you won't be anything without me is because they, they won't be anything without you. Yeah. It's all just control it's tactics. It's all control tactics. So yeah. just be the person that your the childhood version of you needs. Mm. And if this was my sister, mm-hmm. what would I tell my yes, sister? If this was your daughter, if this was your sister, if this was your niece yeah. being treated and talked to, what would you tell them to yeah. do? Do that. Yeah. Because I guarantee you, if I saw some, I would have told them to, I would have left sooner if I had that mindset. Yeah. You know, a thousand percent. Well, and let's, you know, add on a little bit here because it's not always just men who are no, 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 no. abusing their partners. Women. So women. Women do it too. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> women do it too. And I think it's important. It applies to men too. Yeah, we're not men, but I think it's important for men if they are listening to, you know, heed this advice as well. Like, you... Nobody deserves to be in a relationship with Mm -hmm. someone who is constantly belittling Mm -mm. them and constantly controlling them and gaslighting them and whatever. If you are in a relationship with someone that is narcissistic Mm -hmm. and toxic, like, you deserve so much more than that. Because guaranteed narcissists rarely, if ever, change. Rarely. Well, that's part of being a narcissist is that they can't see it. It's like, by definition, it's like, you do not see. No. How toxic you are. That's why they keep repeating. They go after the same type of women over and over again. And they typically go... The only kind of healthy (laughs) relationship that narcissists will be in is with another narcissist. But yeah, so narcissists, they they need that emotional, Mm -hmm. empathic Mm -hmm. person because they know how to just latch latch onto them and suck the living life out of them, basically. Mm Mm-hmm. Because that's what they need. Yep. They need the constant validation. Yes, they need the co- God. They can't be the problem. They like, need that person groveling to them, yeah. reassuring them that they're everything, that they yeah. could never be anything without them and their their world. I'm sorry. If you are your partner's world, you need to go find a new partner because yeah, you should never be your partner's world. You are a part of their world. Yeah. Like a thousand percent. My mm-hmm. boyfriend is not my world. He's a part of it. Same with me. I am not his world. I am a part of it. Yeah, like I... Because whenever a person becomes your center, they will let you down. I was about to say, regardless of how healthy you are as a human, as an individual or whatever, eventually you... We make mistakes. We're fallible. Yes. Like you can't... I'm not going to be perfect every hour of every day. I mean, I'm close to it. I mean, look at us. We get it. But... (laughs) Not even in the slightest. Mm. I'm probably not perfect a minute of the day. Right. But, like, my expectation is for you to be human. Right. And my expectation is for us to communicate. Right. Not you dominate the conversation. Right. But us for, for us to equally communicate. Yes. And I think from what I've experienced, I feel like you have found that with oh, a thousand percent. your current partner. Um, like he came home from work the other day and he could tell something was wrong with me. And yeah. so he, I mean, and he's a farmer, so his schedule is busy. Yeah. He, he took the time out of his day when he came home to get lunch, but then he took the time and sat down. He's like, we're fixing this. We're figuring out what's going on and we're going to make this right. And so it was just a little tiny little thing that took maybe eight minutes yeah. to talk about. And then we... He said, I'm sorry that I made you feel that way. That was not my intention. I am so sorry. You know, this is how whatever. Kiss, makeup, we're good. Yeah. And then we never talked about it again. Yeah, but I, I mean, just to end it on, like, such a positive note, mm-hmm. you went from just this this toxic relationship. And because you had this immense love for your son. Mm-hmm. You stepped away mm-hmm. and you were able to learn how to love and value yourself. Mm-hmm. And now you are in mm-hmm. 
a healthy relationship with a man who honors you yes, and respects key, you. Key word is he honors like a thousand percent. And he gets that like there are times when I need to go do things by myself. Yeah. And there are times I want to go do things with him. You know, so a lot of people get caught up in going from one relationship to the next. And more than likely, if you bounce around right after a toxic one, you're going to get in another toxic one. one. Yeah. So the key after you get out of a toxic relationship is to date the ever-living crap out of yourself. I was about to say, it's it's about healing yourself. And healing yourself. You're literally going to attract those same type of people. Because when you treat yourself how you want a man to treat you, you will literally put that energy out there and you will attract that. Yep. All day long. All day long. And that's how I got my boyfriend now is I dated myself. And yeah, I like dated a couple guys like here and there. Went out. Dated is a loose term, but I went out with a couple guys and they were not what I needed. God will never take away your soulmate. I feel like you, ever. like, each of those people, it was, like, two weeks. And, like, within oh, two maybe. weeks. maybe. Yeah, I know. But, like, each of those people, I feel like I, the longest one, though, was, like. A month. A month. Yeah. And I'm saying, like. But, but within, they never met my son. Well, I was going to say, well, parents. but within that month, though, like, everything became so clear of, yes. like. No. That's mm-hmm. not what. Yeah. That's not what I'm taking now. No. Like, no. Like, I'm better than this. Mm-hmm. And I think. We have to get to a place of, I deserve better. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's it. And you did that. You walked away saying, I deserve better. Mm-hmm. And two, I have better. There. That's it. We're done. We're done. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> we completed, we completed the mission. Done. We're done. Well, thanks for coming, dude. Thanks for having me, Brotato. Love you. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We are such a mess. Um, if you would like to follow Brianna and continue following her story, you can find her information in um, the show notes down below. Um, next week we'll have we'll be back with another incredible episode. Um, but this week's affirmation is. I have the opportunity to create the life I want. I have the opportunity to create the life I want. And so it is. Until next time.